0: I don't know if you're able to catch the small print on that first slide right as the song starts, but each of those songs was directly out of Psalm. The first one was Psalm 23. The second one was Psalm 46. And in Scripture, we see that God is not a God of contradictions. Because often in our culture, we're taught that if If something is one thing, then there's no way it can be another thing. But yet, right here in these psalms, we see that he's the one that walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And we don't have to fear evil. That in Psalm 46, it says that he's our shelter. He's our protection in the fiercest storm. He is guarding and protecting us, yet... In the next verse, it says, he is the one going before us, leading us in through the fiercest of battles. And so we see that God is both and. That even though our culture would lead us to believe that that you have to pick a side, you have to pick one end of the spectrum, that you can't just be a protector, but you can be a protector and a leader in the battle. And another thing that we're challenged in our lives to feel that contradiction is in the term grace and truth. It's the words that we've been using for a long time, the last year or two around here especially, that as we talk about live, love, and go like Jesus, that if we're going to love like Jesus, we've got to learn to live with both grace and truth. as the Bible says that Jesus came And he was full of both grace and truth. And in 1 John, it says that God is love. Jesus is love. And so if Jesus is absolute true love, then that means being full of grace and truth is being like Jesus. And there's parables, there's stories in the New Testament that say we need to love our neighbor. And they ask Jesus, they test him on it, you know, who is our neighbor? And, and then even later, we're going to read the words today in the Sermon on the Mount where it says, love your enemies. So who, who is that? How are we going to love those that we don't know that we, maybe we don't like them. Maybe we just downright don't agree with them because in our culture, there's plenty of that spectrum, right? If you believe on this side, then you can't Agree with or like or love or anything on the people on the other side. And when we consider love, when we consider grace and truth, it's not a spectrum. Grace doesn't sit on one side and truth sits on the other side. And so to be more graceful, we have to be less truthful. That's not how Jesus lived. That true love is the fullest expression of both. So grace and truth do not sit on opposite ends of the spectrum. They are together. They're overlapped. They are one and the same in a lot of ways. And if we diminish one or the other, if we diminish grace or we diminish truth in our lives, we're actually diminishing the love, the character of God in us. So in the New Testament, we see stories of of people who, well, if truth be told, right, they're not the best people. Jesus was invited to the house of a rich man, a man who had high reputation and honor in the community. And while they're dining, while they're sitting there, this woman works her way into the house as part of the crowd. And she finds herself at the feet of Jesus. And And the owner of the home is thinking, Oh, Jesus, if you only knew. And she breaks out the finest perfume that she has. And she pours it on Jesus' feet. And she begins to sob and weep. And her tears fall on his feet. And she begins to dry and clean his feet with her hair. And the owner is sitting there, Jesus, if you only knew, if you only knew who she was, because the Bible doesn't outright say it, but she was of ill repute. She was a woman of the night. If you know, you know, the Bible makes it clear without saying it straight out. And the owner's like, if you only knew, you would jump out of that chair, Jesus. You would put her in her place. You would kick her out. But Jesus begins to answer the man's thoughts. He doesn't even say those things out loud, and Jesus hears it in his heart and responds and talks about who is going to be more grateful. That if I forgive, you, the owner of the house, who feel like you only have this much sin, or if I forgive this woman who has this much sin, who's going to be more grateful? And he says, well, probably the person with the most sin. And he says, exactly. And he turns to the woman and he says, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And in that statement, Jesus is not just being graceful. He's not excusing her past. He is calling her past for what it is. It's sin. Your sin is forgiven. Go and sin no more. He is 100% truthful in that statement while also being 100% graceful. We see it in the woman at the well. Jesus and the disciples are traveling through Samaria. They stop at a well with water and the disciples go on into town to find some food. A woman comes out and Jesus says, hey, can you draw a little water for me? And this conversation ensues. And in that, she begins to pick up that I think this might be the Messiah. There's something special about this guy. And Jesus turns to her and he basically tells her life story. You know, all these men that you've been with, that you've been married to, and in fact, the man that you're talking, that you're living with right now, he's not even your husband. If we said something like that in our culture, Jesus would get slapped. The news channel's a bit called. Jesus would be canceled. Things would be over. and But the lady responds because Jesus was 100% truthful. He called sin for what it was. But in that same moment, he was so graceful in how he loved and accepted her. She went and found her friends and family and said, come and see the Messiah. Jesus was a fan of sinners. I don't get it. I mean, Randy and Zach and I, you know, we're told that when you preach and when you teach, you're not supposed to teach something that you haven't incorporated into your life. Your walk has got to match your talk. I don't get it. God's word, the the reality of living out the way Jesus lives in my, to do that in my life, I don't get it. So we would never teach anything. How would we ever fully understand the Bible? How would we ever fully understand incorporate something into our life so that we could teach. This is something that I feel God has been working on me for months and months and months. Jesus was a fan of sinners. He was found eating in their homes. He was found going. I mean, he called to Zacchaeus and he's like, hey, bud, I know you haven't cleaned the house yet, but I'm coming to your house for dinner. Let's go. He even called a tax collector to be one of the 12 disciples. People of ill repute, people that in culture were the lowest of the low. That's who Jesus hung out with. And it's not because he diminished truth in his life so that he could be with them. He stood for truth 100% and he stood for grace 100%. That is true love. I mean, there's a phrase that I know I've used in the past. I love you right now, but right now, that doesn't mean I have to like you, right? Anybody else said that? <laughs> no, we've thought it. Yeah. I, this is... How graceful is that? How graceful is that? Jesus has been teaching me that I've got to let go of my sliding scale of sin. I mean, sure, from God's perspective, there are varying consequences. Some sin consequences are small. Others are huge But in my life, sin is sin. In our lives, from my perspective, sin is sin. And so if I'm going to hold to the truth of this one sin is horrible, it's horrendous, am I holding to the truth that my sin is horrible and horrendous? So how do we lead? How do we live our lives with true love? Love that is 100% truthful, 100% graceful. There is no contradiction in God. And so just as in the Psalms we can see that God is our shelter, but he's also in the fiercest battle with us, he is our grace and he is our truth. He is the true love that we can emulate in our lives.